Welcome to the Jewam Jugs podcast brought to you by Oxford Brooks University Rugby Football Club. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to uh, the third edition of the Jewam Jugs podcast. Uh, today, we are joined by two lads that have been away on basement, so weren't with us last year, Jack Mackay and Cam Adams. And then we are also joined by what is, uh, can only be described as a living OBURFC legend, the granddad of the, the, the granddad of the crew. Harry Bauer, absolute hero. So, welcome, guys. Um, what we'll do? How how we all doing? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you for having me. No problem yeah, at all. Having a good time. Cheers, Joe. Good, excellent. Well, what we'll do is we'll uh, we'll go around the we'll go around the square uh, or the circle a little bit, starting with uh, starting with Bauer. Um, and if you guys just want to introduce yourself, uh, what you what you've been doing within the club over for you, Barry, over the last five years, what your position is now. Obviously, there's some some stuff with regards to what you're doing at the university, and then we'll go round. So we'll go Bauer, Jack, then Cam. Uh, but with Cam and Jack, if you just want to sort of give a brief overview of what you guys have been doing from a placement point of view this year, that'd be great. Go on, then, Barry, kick us off. Yeah, so I'm Harry Bauer, um, or just Bauer, because I don't think I've had my first name used in my entire time at Brooks. Um, I started in 2014, um, back when the club was in its second year, um, post um, what happened before, basically. Um, I came when the club was very much social club, and in the time here, I've been treasurer, um, club captain, and now development coach. So I've sort of done it all. And I sort of have this benefit now. I'm the SU president of Oxford Brooks and get to combine work and rugby, which isn't too bad at all. Cool. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. So I'm Jack. And I've been on placement in Bath this year working for an accounting firm. So that's just doing accounts prep and going on audits, which sounds a lot of fun, I'm sure, to everyone. Um, Very exciting. Very exciting stuff. So I joined the club in 2017 and like the transition of sort of, it was going from social to more player side and I've seen how that sort of transitioned, I guess. And I played back row. Cool. Thanks, mate. Cam? Uh, I'm Cam. I play second row. I joined the same time as Jack in 2017 and I have seen sort of the massive change between social to sort of playing side. Um, but I've been on placement at Hayes Treasury, uh, sort of Hayes recruitment into Treasury, sort of consulting the treasury sector over the last year. Uh, but my placement has been cut short because of, uh, sort of COVID and stuff. So I'm sort of free chilling at the moment, not doing too much, but, um, but sort of excited to get back to uni. Cool. Uh, and uh, Jack and Cam, what have you guys been doing to sort of feel your, get your rugby fix over the, over the year that you've been away? Uh, so I've been, I've been playing for my club back home, uh, Old Georgians. <coughs> and so the old school, so playing with everyone who's sort of gone through school and come back. Um, so people play with sort of likes of Anthony Watson and stuff like that. I've been playing with them um, in sort of London. I think it's London one or two. Um, but yeah, it's good fun. Still boozing. Still, uh, I think I took a bit of time off the gym the first six months after Christmas during placement. Um, I think I, I found it quite hard to gym. I'm getting home at sort of quarter past seven, half seven in the evening. So I didn't really have the motivation to go all the way to the gym. But, uh, so the rig took a, a bit of a hit um, and boozed a fair bit, especially in recruiting. Everyone's quite young. So Thursday yeah. is a new Friday. Out on Thursday nights, two hours sleep and back to the office on a Friday. Um, wow. But yeah, keeping it busy, still doing a bit of exercise in the gym and, and just plodding along really. Yeah, big season next season, mate. Got some, got some, got some hot, uh, some, uh, some pretty good talent in the second row. You're gonna have to be on it. Yeah, <laughs> cool, Jack. What, what about you? What about you? What have you been doing with, with so, regards to getting your rugby 
the first few months I saw on rehab is like at the end of my rehab, I had shoulder reconstruction. So I was getting that done and making sure I was fully fit before going back. And then in December, I joined Old Road Cliffians, a Bristol side, playing national two and sort of just playing that and staying fit really. What have been, uh, what have been, you know, Bow will, will probably speak, will speak regard to you in a minute, but what have been your two, your, your two experiences from, uh, from playing uh, uni rugby for two years to then transitioning into to, to men's rugby uh, and to, you know, club rugby again on a, on a, on a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, what's your, what's been your, what's been your key, what's been your, the big learning for, for you guys this year from, from the stuff that you've learned playing the men's game? I think men's rugby, the first 20 minutes of each half is, uh, is a lot more structured and a lot more full on than the second 20 minutes when I think people sort of end up getting a bit tired, especially being, being men, I think they go downhill a bit. But it's a lot more, the physicality is a lot more, I think, than maybe Brooks in some ways. Um, it's more just sort of straight running or you come across teams which do sort of try and bully you a bit and run over you. But I think having a, having a structure definitely helps. Um, but obviously not being able to train as much as uni rugby makes a massive difference. So I think it's trying to make use of that training session or two training sessions a week. Um, and because obviously not everyone can be there because everyone's got work or commitments there. And that's something that I've sort of seen be massive difference between sort of men's and uni rugby. Yeah. Um, and what, uh, what, but you know, there are the differences, but what do you reckon you've, you know, from playing against some teams that are maybe a little bit more physical, uh, what, what's been the, you know, what's been the, the stuff that you're going to bring? What's the learning that you're going to bring from that back into, back into an ABRFC shirt next year? I think just a bit more brutality around sort of the rock area, um, sort of being a bit more stopping and getting the gain line, get lower, um, maybe competing with a few more rucks, just sort of flying in, um, in that sort of sense, which maybe I think the Brooks have held off a bit and so I was always worried about people out wide. Um, but sort of giving it that front edge and sort of pushing them on the back foot, um, I think it's kind of key for men's rugby. Cool. And Jack, what about you, mate? What, 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 what have been the differences from your point of view? I, the physicality side of it has just been huge. Just a lot, a lot of like the forwards and the pack that we've been playing against, they're all at least 100 kilos, if not more. And just running in for 80 minutes into them, it sort of takes a bit of pounding to your body, but you sort of learn to take it and you see where you sort of you progress, where you do better at, and you stick to that. Because I mean, running into a 130 kilo bloke is never fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what have you, uh, so you, you say it's never fun? What have you done to? to to you know avoid that is there anything that you brought from you know from the stuff that we've done at Brooks in order to try and try and not run into people essentially spaces not well, spaces more like thinking of footwork well, I'm more of a compared to all of them I'm a lot lighter player so using my footwork and trying to get on the outside of them yeah and just stay low basically because I know most of the time I can get lower than them so if I get so then that, that puts them at strain of giving high tackles and stuff away yeah, cool. And then Cam, you know, you're, you know, I would probably say that you're probably one of our, you know, when you were playing, one of our most skillful forwards. What, what, what type, what type of stuff did you bring from, from uh, the stuff that we've done at Brooks two years ago into your, into your club rugby this, this year? I think it's that step for contacts, so not just running straight in. If you put a little bit of footwork before you hit, hit the tackle, um, it can give you sort of the extra, extra meter of the game line. And if if you do that, if there's 10 phases going forward and every single player does that and gets a metre further, um, then that's 10 metres further down the pitch, um, which can make a massive difference. Um, so it's yeah. just little things, I think, that um, when you could first go into contact, they give you the little edges, which, uh, which really sort of boosts your performance in the game. Cool, cool. Okay, so looking at, uh, obviously, we'll, we'll go to Bauer on, on this one. So obviously, 
uh, as we said in the last couple of podcasts, still seasons are very much up in the air with regards to what league we're going to be in next year. We don't know because Bucks haven't decided. I was going to say pulled their finger out their backside, but I'll, I'll say decided. Uh, so uh, we still we still don't know uh, where we're going to be. So just from just from your point of view, Barry, it'd be interesting. Uh, it'd be interesting for you to maybe delve a little bit deeper into what your role is as the development coach, and also if you can maybe review review the top, the stuff that you've been doing over this season with with that with that group of players that'd be quite interesting I think for people to hear because a lot of the time yeah. we probably a lot of the time the, when there's probably this perception of it's all about the first team it's all about the second team but actually we've got a big development focus on the on the teams uh, on the teams across the club not just the the team that's at the top so uh, you're obviously an integral part to that so give us a bit of a a, a brief on what you think the season's been like yeah, I mean, I think for us, development and more retention's been something we've been very bad at in the past for a number of years. Back when I first started, our at university, you always have tons of people want to play rugby. And the problem is, if you're not in your first or second team, most of those players are going to go away. And then when you get mid-season, you start getting injuries. You're done because you, you suddenly have to call around to your mate who used to play rugby in school who's also at Brooks has put on 10k but you need him to come and play front row or come and run centre I mean I've had games back when I was first second year where you lost six players the day before and you have to scrounge around everywhere so in the last couple of years what we've been trying to do is give a playing a playing offering to people that aren't necessarily looking at being in the books teams for the first year but want to be involved and we don't really want to lose because we have to see a bit of that talent. So we do that through playing um, in the Oxford um, College League. Um, I mean, we've been very lucky that we've been allowed into it because it's been a long struggle and big shout out goes to you, Joe, for the work you've done in your role at Oxford to allow us to play in it. But I mean, we've played now four college seasons and lost one game. Um, we're going to be in Division 2 next year. And I think it goes out to the lads. I think we've had this year close to 100 um, freshers have represented Brooks, which if you'd suggested that back when I was a fresher or second or third year, suggesting we'd have 100 first years play rugby, you'd be laughed out of the room because you were looking at 2025 would play at Brooks in any given year. So, yeah, cool. it's been good work over the last two years. Yeah, I mean, hats off to you, mate. I mean, you've done a, you've done a great job with that team in terms of, in terms of you know, not just coaching them and getting them organised, but in terms of making sure that you know they they understand that there's a you know there's a pathway uh, there's a pathway through from the, that that Saturday team through up into the first team if, if they're good enough and they they commit and show potential. Um, so I think you've been really clear with some with with some of that stuff. Uh, so uh, you know that's good. And the fact that the fact that that development group has has grown in two years. You know we've grown from having two teams in three year, three years ago to, to having five teams at the start of next season is is a real a real sort of feather in our cap with regards to what we're doing with our attention to the freshers. I, I do think we could still probably do things better. Uh, and it'll be interesting to hear maybe as we as we move on through this conference, well, we'll ask the guys now. So what what were your, Jack and uh, Cameron, I mean, think back to 2015, uh, 17, sorry. What were your experiences coming coming into the into the environment as a as a fresher? You know what 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 was that? What were those first few sessions like? Uh, I just remember 
every time we had a session, it was what we're doing after training, where are we going, what pub. It was always looking at the next social rather than what game we're looking forward to next. It was always, are we going out tonight or not? And I think that's where it's massively changed, where even playing last year, there was everyone was more focused on our game on the Wednesday, on the Monday night training, instead of heading to bridge on the Monday night. Yeah. So there's been a there's been a shift in a shift in, in mentality perhaps from the from the players. Uh yeah, okay, cool. Uh Ken, what about you? What were your first impressions of, you know, walking into the club and, you know, compared to the experience that the freshers probably get now, what was what were your experiences like? Yeah, I remember that first um sort of training session was just a straight up spitting four teams have matches and that's pretty brutal because I think everyone was just trying to like sort of show what they're good or show who they are and sort of go filling in for it. Um, but no, I think that was good. But especially second year when I saw it, I think the first year there were players that got picked for the first or second team from that first session and then people dropped off. But I think the good thing about maybe my second year, I've seen maybe this year, bits of it, is that even if people didn't get picked that first, that first session, they still had a chance to then come into the first and second teams. Um, even if they maybe didn't perform on the day or something like that or just they didn't have a chance to show themselves, they didn't get the ball, um, they've actually seen that they've had a chance to sort of come through, come through the ranks. I suppose that's down to Bowers' development team, which is, which is quite good. It gives people the opportunity to show who they are. Because then when I was a fresher, they maybe didn't have that development team. That's why people dropped off, because they didn't, there wasn't really maybe that opportunity. Um, but now there is certainly opportunity to sort of prove your worth and, and get into those sort of higher teams throughout the years. Yeah, cool. And I think, I think it's definitely something that we want to, you know, we want to do a little bit better as well. So there's some, some discussions at the moment going on around some, uh, some intramural stuff. So even though we've got the five teams, there's going to be an additional playing offer on top of that, which hopefully will will support uh, will support some of the, 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 the those lads that might drop off or they or re-engage re-engage some of the, uh, the the second the second years. Who's going in the fridge, Cam? Someone's yeah. going in the fridge. Hello, Miss Adams. <laughs> uh, cool. Right. So, uh, and then lads, give us a review of, of, of your your season back home. So, Cam, you said you're playing sort of London one-ish. What what's the season look like for you and your you and your crew? Yeah, so we came third this or finished third this year. Uh, one-off promotion, top two get promoted. Um, it was hard. I think the hardest thing for us was we had a lot of injuries and. Um, I, we're, not the, we're not the biggest club in the world because it's mainly people that... The club's only been around for 10 years now, I think. I suppose it's a long time, but mainly because it's quite a tight-knit group of lads because they've all come through the school and they're all playing together. Um, so there aren't many two people who didn't go through the school who play. Um, so it means... Because there's only sort of one team. We've had pushed second team out sort of four or five times and the club is growing. And um, I think having that same level of level of game, every, level play every single game has been the hardest bit because um, the team does stop around a lot. Um, I think that sort of makes the big difference. But we've had a good season. Um, I think because the club's growing, we've promoted six out of the six or seven out of the ten seasons we played. So we're still sort of going up, um, which yeah. is good. And the club is growing. And last year we finished, uh, I think, seventh, eighth in this league. And so to be third is is quite a good um, sort of stepping stone. Hopefully next year, sort of promotion is is in in the chance. And hopefully I'll go back and still play for them because it's only about an hour's drive back from Oxford. So I'll play with them on the cool. weekends and sort of support them and everything they need. Don't get injured. <laughs> uh, Jack, what about you? How's the season gone for Old Reds? Uh, unfortunately, got relegated. I think we came uh, third from bottom. So well, we didn't do too great. Like We were strong against the sides at the top, but it's always our last like half an hour. It just drops. And that's when the better teams, like Tunbridge, Judeans, or what I think they are, they yeah, just saw that. Yeah, they just 
and turned us around in the half an hour. And we yeah. went from, I think it was like 21-7 uh, up to 21 all in the end. And they got promoted to national one this year. So we had the strength. It's just not, we don't, that half an hour kills us. And I think that's just down to some of the training that obviously people have work and stuff and it's not consistent. You don't get some people, there, some people aren't. And how much how much work a lad's doing on out off off the pitch with regards their gym work, fitness work, stuff like that. It's difficult when you're a, you know, it's difficult when you've got families and you know jobs and all that type of stuff. It's it's you know I've been there. It's it's really hard. So you you know if you're not if and at that league at national two, you're going to get found out if you're not fit. You're not you're not fit enough. You're not big enough. So I think also what didn't help was um there was a bit of financial trouble as well, like mid yeah. midway through the season, and I think. Some I, I think some people took that quite negatively, and I don't think it helped their mindset. But the people who stayed on and stuck to it, they showed some true grit. I think. Yeah. But cool. It's just one of those things. Yeah, it's it's tough. Community like grassroots rugby is not a you know it's a tough place to be if you haven't got if you haven't got potential financial backing or a strong or a really strong youth youth section all that type of stuff. So it's a it's a tough it's 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 tough. So, Harry, coming back to you and your, your stuff around your season and, you know, as a coach and looking after the development team, but I suppose this question's more related to the club as a whole. Is there anything that, that you feel, obviously, with your experience of being with, involved with the club for five years that, that you know, we probably we could have done a little bit better this year? Um, you know, I'm also always thinking of ways in which we can improve and make the environment better for the lads but you know there might be there might be a bit of bit of information that, that you you've been holding on to that you haven't been in the position to say so it's a good opportunity if there is yeah no it's been a bit of an odd season by all accounts and i mean the fact we're still hung up in the air and like now 90 percent rugby teams in the country is even more frustrating i mean I think the most notable thing this year is we'll go, go through it from threes to ones and maybe talk about that fours. The threes, I think it's been gutting the lack of rugby they've got this year and it would be very disappointing if they stayed in that league because it, teams cancelling on the day, cancelling when we're getting to grounds is just unacceptable. I mean, I think that's a lot of damage for that team and it's, a sort of, it's an uncontrollable, um, unfortunately, but hopefully they go up because those lads deserve to get some rugby. They played class this year, beating Harper Adams, who are top of the league above in the finals of the um, conference play. It was absolutely incredible. I think it's a testament of how good a group of lads they are and how good a group of rugby players they are. Yeah. Um, looking at the seconds, I think the seconds had started the season with a bit of disbelief that they're in the same league as the ones. And struggled to get going the first couple of games they were getting pumped and they didn't deserve to get pumped and we showed, they showed that later in the season because they were going back playing teams away that they'd lost at the start of the season beating them and I think that was just a mindset thing I think yeah. that all came about how we changed our training structures sort of a few weeks into the season um, to really isolate teams and let us concentrate on them individually um, rather than the old school technique we used to have of throwing four teams out onto a paddock and seeing what happened. And <laughs> I think that's a big improvement. For the ones, um, it's hard to say because you can't really criticise a team that have not lost the game in the season. Obviously, we'd probably not be sat in the position we are now waiting for confirmation on the league if we picked up bonus points. We seem to let that fourth try go several times this year. 
And I mean, from a looking forward point of view, you've really got to work on that clinicality because if they do go next year, that last try in that close game is going to be what swings staying consolidating position in the league next year and going down. Um, at the same time, we don't want to be in the same position next year with what could happen rugby-wise. That if we stay in this league, we don't want to miss out again because we we've left some points out on the paddock. But um, I think, yeah, yeah, uh, it's not it's not been a bad season. Yeah, it's, I think it's been a you know if we're looking at it from a from a whole club point of view, I think it's been awesome in the fact that you know <clears throat> I think as a club we've only lost we've lost uh, you know across the four teams we've lost seven games this year. No, yeah, seven games in total. Uh, so that's that's across four teams. That's across what thirteen, twenty six, uh, thirty. That's across thirty eight, thirty eight games. So it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good return return on on some of the stuff that we've done. Uh, yeah, you know, if we're if we're looking at it, you know, we look at the Worcester game where we played Worcester at home, where we played them the week before and beaten by fifty points, and then. They come back. We're probably a little bit first team point of view, probably a little bit complacent and don't pick up a bonus point in that game. You know, the game against Aston at the end of term where we didn't pick up a bonus point because I think, to be honest, all the lads are pretty knackered and we're looking forward to just getting home for Christmas and probably playing a game of rugby at that stage of the of the year or the semester is the last thing on their mind. But you know, they managed to managed to pull through and get the win. And obviously, dropping a letting letting Nottingham pick up a bonus point probably. You know, if we if we'd achieved all those things, then you know we probably wouldn't, we wouldn't be in the situation that we are now. They'd look at the league and go, yeah, well they're deserved deserved uh, promotion candidates. With regards to the threes, yeah, I think definitely it's it's been a shame that the teams that have been in their league have have cried off or not been able to raise teams. So I think promotion is really important for them for them next year. But I also think. Uh, Brook Sport will probably have a bit of a will will take a bit of a dimmer view on some of the communication between clubs. I think a lot of the stuff around we need to know forty eight hours in advance. You know, looking at the regular, you know, adhering to the regulation that Bucks have put down on their website with regards to when cancellations need to be. You know, the opposite team needs to be informed of cancellations. I think that's going to be really important. But they need that promotion just for that team to develop. Uh, yeah, and like you say with the twos, I just think it was a case of not realising how good they were until halfway through the season almost. Um, you know, if you look at if you look at the threes and the twos, there is everybody in that twos team could play first team, and everybody in that threes team could play second team. Uh, so we're in a we're in a pretty good position of uh, of strength. Um, so I yeah, think that's I mean, the thing as well. We used to see that you'd have the odd crop threes player who could make the jump to ones in the season and that that was you get one the season now there's players all over the club that are separated by fractions from two teams now which has been a testament to the work the coaching groups put into the players over the last couple of years oh yeah yeah that's i mean that's an interesting question i mean let's move on to you know jack and cam what have you all been what have been I mean, Jack, you've been back a bit more often than Cam, and you know, Cam, you I assume you've been sort of keeping up with on social media and stuff. What have been your your sort of perceptions from from the outside looking in this year? I mean, obviously, you're still much, very, very much part of the squad, so I hate to just use the word from the outside looking in because you know it's just you're on from the inside looking in a bit further than you would do the news. That's probably more of a better say. I think every Wednesday, I always, I always know, because Wizzy's done pretty well with social media. 
I always know to go and look around round four, so what's the scores going on? Be on the Instagram and have a look at what how the game's doing. Um, I always check on the scores. I always have a look at the teams. So I, I like to keep in a bit. I like to see sort of who's where. Maybe it's competition for next year too. Um, but no, it's always good. I, I do look a lot. But it looks like it's done well, to be honest. It looks like the boys have sort of come together. And social-wise, it seems like everyone's sort of, sort of bonded. But I guess that's just the outside looking in. So. Jack, what about you, mate? You're, you've probably been a bit closer to it than Cam has this year. Couldn't, yeah, couldn't, stay, couldn't stay away. No, I couldn't. <laughs> there always seems to be something going on every weekend. So yeah. Couldn't say no. But um, no, I think everyone from the freshers to the seniors who are in their last year, everyone just seems close in it. So everyone does sort of everything together. If there's something going on, even if it's just going to the pub, the freshers are included and stuff. And I think that it's shown from the results that we've got that we're such a close-knit team that we sort of, we come together on the pitch and as well as off the pitch. Yeah, I, I definitely see, you know, I, I, this year more so than any year that I've been involved, there is a there is a bigger connection between the players uh, this year. And it's it's been pretty cool to to, to watch that grow and develop and, and sort of cultivate itself over the course over the course of the year. And I'm excited to see how that how we can take that to, to, to another level next year, because, you know, with that with that connection it might be yeah it might be just on the pitch and it might be at each other's houses how deep is that connection can we delve a little bit deeper into into making sure we've got really deep rooted like, like some really deep rooted connections and we know lots about each other as a as a group so it, it might sound a bit like pink and fluffy but i think it's really i think it's really important for a for, for successful teams to 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 have a have really strong relationships with each other just you know and that's you know, that's just knowing about what's going on outside of rugby, outside of getting pissed in the pub. You know, it's just having having some conversations with each other that that are meaningful. You know, and I think we can. I think we've got a real opportunity to really like delve deep into some of that stuff next year. I mean, what are your what are your what are your thoughts, Harry, on on the connection between the between the squads this year? Yeah, I mean, it used to be a case where freshers wouldn't socialise with second and third years past the Wednesday. I think now the thing is, on Wednesday evening, for two hours in a pub, you're freshers and seniors, but you're really good mates. And the rest of the time, you're all really good mates. You go, you go to the pub with each other, go and watch sports together. But you also do a lot of other stuff together now. Um, I think we've grown a connection that players support each other a lot broader. Um, they have these deep conversations with each other. And I think they've all help push each other forward which is just a nice thing which I don't think you see in many university environments I think that's been probably the greatest piece of culture work this club's had over the past few years that we don't have this fear of a first year doesn't come in have fear of challenging a player that's been here for three four years because they disagree with them and I think that's what makes better rugby players ultimately which I think a lot of other teams are lacking it's something we're doing really well so what is it? I mean, obviously, this is probably opened up to 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 you, to Cam and to Cam and Jack as well. So, what what do you think it is that you know? There's a bigger connection. Players aren't afraid. Freshers or, or new people coming into the environment aren't afraid to challenge the normal stuff that just goes on at every other university rugby club. They aren't afraid to check and challenge senior players. They aren't afraid to check and challenge coaches. What do you reckon it is that we've... Is there anything that we've done specifically? I don't know. This is a question to, to, to everybody. This, is there anything that we've done specifically to try and develop that type of stuff? I don't know. 
I know that I just tend I tend to with a lot of my design stuff is just give players lots of choice, give players lots of opportunities to make decisions, try and get the guys closer together. But it's, I'm not really intentional around that stuff. Um, it's just what I like to do. So I don't know if there's anything that you guys can pinpoint, really. Uh, I think it's just the culture. In culture, within anything, within teams, business or anything, it takes it takes a few years to, to sort of come around. There's nothing you can, there's not one thing you can do to change a culture, I think. I think it has been sort of, maybe since at least I joined 2017, it's been up till now, sort of three years on that, that's been the, the um, sort of turning point in the last three years. And it's not just been sort of one day or, or a week or a month or one season that's changed. It's been the whole three years, just a gradual little things, little changes or um, little things that yourself or the president or anyone's done that's um, sort of added to that culture and allowed that sort of environment where people can know that um, they can step up and sort of speak their mind and, and sort of say what they want and um, sort of challenge for anything they want. Cool. What about you, Jack? Do you, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I think every semester it sort of grows. Like our like relationships between everyone has sort of grown. Like whether that's when joining freshers, we're all very nervous. Like we we're very intimidated by the seniors. And I think when they got to Christmas and stuff, they sort of were more welcoming to us. And then that's when we sort of managed to find like our voices and sort of speak up. And then going into second year, we sort of had that confidence that like, we've been through it. So we sort of like opened up the the freshers coming in that year. I think that sort of helped the gradual people of opening up their voices and not being afraid to speak out. Yeah, I think that's important. I think what, you know, if I, if I think back to my experiences as a, as a, a let's say, you know, a rugby, a young rugby player coming into a first team environment, getting picked on to a certain extent by the senior players. When you're a senior, when, you know, I made the conscious decision that when I became a senior player, that I wasn't going to put people through that uh, because I felt shit about that. Um, and it, and it, 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 you know, it made it difficult for me. Uh, so do you think there's an element of, an element of actually, yeah, we, you know, we weren't, we didn't feel comfortable enough to start talking and, and saying stuff until Christmas. Actually, some of the stuff that the freshers are coming out with is really important. We, we want to try and get it out of them a little bit earlier. So let's not treat them the way that we were treated. Is there an element of that, do you think? I think definitely, like, we've all had different rugby experiences, like, talking on rugby-wise, we've all had different rugby experiences, so it doesn't matter if you're a year younger, two years younger and stuff, You, some people have been exposed to different sort of situations, they can really be in touch with the sort of how to get around the problem, and I think being, joining in 2017, because it, it was such a social club, it wasn't really um, looked around or focused around the playing side of it, I think, as much until like the second semester when we actually realised that we could actually get promoted and move up through the league was when we started more being rugby focused I think yeah yeah Cam yeah. go on mate you were going to say something yeah I think that as long as you because obviously being picked on and stuff when you start at a rugby club it's not it's nothing it's personal it's all they respect you as a person to join the club it's not personal as long as you understand it's not personal they do think you're a good bloke they're just doing it because maybe it's a social thing they've got to do or they feel like they have to um, I think people have sort of got past that and they realise that it's not actually personal. Um, they're just doing it because that's, that's what you do as a senior rugby person. Um, so that's why I think you've been able to bond because they do respect each other. It's not an actual personal attack. It's just people um, having a bit of banter or having a bit of fun um, back and forth. Val, mm. what have been yeah. your... What, yeah, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on it from, you know, looking at when you were a fresher all the way through to, you know, this year in particular, what the, what the sort of 
the changes the changes might have been for a fresher arriving. Yeah, I mean, in my first year, and oh, it's a long time thinking back. I've lost my headphone as well. Um, yeah, I mean, the culture was. The, it's hard to discuss it, like, if it's cultural bullying or anything, but it was quite obvious. The people who were targeted most were the best players because that is what happens in the rugby environment. It's the freshers that are playing first team and second team. And actually it creates more or less a, a really weird toxic culture because it creates this separation between freshers as well as a separation between second and third years. And yeah. that, that was something the most noticeable because you, you, on your away games, stuff would go on and things like that, which really separated the freshers. And <laughs> I can remember a player saying, a fresher saying to another fresher, oh, don't give a, you're not playing first team. And I mean, having those sort of scenarios was odd. Um, I think that changed a lot because the freshers became a much tighter group over the years that have come by. And then that gap between the bullying or the activity between seniors and freshers eased down as the freshers grew as a group as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's unrecognisable because I think back to first year, ultimately, uh, probably in my first year trials, you had over 100 people trial and we kept 20. Now we have 200 trial and we keep over 100, which shows we're not only retaining more, we're retaining a higher portion of those that trialled as well. And it all has to come down to the culture. Um, I, I, it, it's every day of the week. The culture's every day of the week. It's yeah. the attitudes on training on Mondays and Fridays. Um, it's the attitude in socials. I mean, socials now are bigger than they ever were before. And when it was a social club, you still didn't get the social turnouts you get now because when you're playing well on the pitch, you're doing well off the pitch. But I mean... One of the most noticeable pieces I can remember is in my second year, um, it wasn't uncommon that players would go out on a Tuesday night. Um, I can remember once <laughs> going to Lola Lowe's um, on a Tuesday night and me and Michael Wright, we'd gone to King's Arms and we got a text, I'm not going to name any names here, from the first team captain. Hugo Solway. <laughs> <laughs> um, saying he was working the door that night at, um, at Lola Lowe's. So... That night, there was myself, first team tight head, um, first team loose head, um, first team fullback, first team captain and flanker, um, and some other first team players out on Tuesday night, which thinking back to it, it's absolutely ridiculous that we were doing that five years ago. And <laughs> that's a massive just culture change. The toxic culture like that is really hard to kick. And we kick that more or less the season after which is a great improvement. Yeah, so, so yeah, I mean, yeah, culture, you know, cult, developing culture is, is about like micro-behaviours, isn't it? It's like adjust, adjust the micro-behaviours so you can get macro-adjustment of macro-behaviour and then ultimately that leads to long-term change. Um, but it's, it's I don't, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer of, it's not something that you can just go, right, culture, done, wash our hands with it. Like we're done. You just got to continue like banging the drum because you know this year is a this year is an example. You know we we just we we made that decision that that well the the playing group made the decision that you know no one would go out on a Tuesday night and for some stupid reason the players decide to add me to their Snapchats 
and I get Snapchat at like 11 o'clock at night of one of our players who was due to play the next day absolutely off his head. Um, and surprise, surprise. His 21st he was, birthday, that. It was his 21st birthday, so we'll give him that. That's his only saving grace. Uh, you know, surprise. He, you know, he was not surprised that he got a message from me saying that you're not playing. Tonight. So, uh, the fact that you know that's the only the only situation that we've had to deal with this this year is 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 pretty good. Um, and it was his 21st, and he got led down the garden the garden path by a few people. So, who injured players, the by the way? And we did yeah. win the next day, uh, but you know, like I say, he didn't play. But I think that you know, making that decision. Um, probably sent a really strong message to the rest of the play group. Uh, you know, and equally, if we hadn't made that decision, then what message would that send? Mm-hmm. You know, that message would have sent, oh, it's okay to go out and get a bit of rate because you're still going to play with it. I'm still going to get bit the next day. Well, you know, it's it's important that it's important that if we decide on something as a group, uh, not just with it being coach led, you know, the players and the coaches all agreed on on, on that as a behaviour. We got to stick with it. We got to. You know, if we're going to say something, let's do it. Because uh, otherwise, it's just words. Uh, cool. So, Bowie, you touched on you touched on there some some memories that you'd had of uh, you know looking back over, over your time. So I suppose we can probably go round the go round the circle. We'll start off with you know what is your what's your oldest memory of the of the club? Let's start with we'll give Bowie some time to think because it was flipping ages ago for him. So uh, we'll get we'll start with you, Jack. What's your oldest your oldest memory? Uh, I think it was probably joining in 2017 during the preseason, and um, I remember we had preseason was only one. It was like a bit now, and then next thing you know, we were at the pub and out, and then had preseason gym the next day, which was probably the worst feeling I've ever had because I'd never been exposed to that sort of life before, and the gym was disgusting. I think I had to call a timeout midway through, but. That was probably my first exposure to the session. I was like, cool, it's going to be a long old year. This is going to be the way it is. But First night yeah. excitement. <laughs> yeah, it's like when, you go, like when you go on a stag deal or to a festival, you get really excited on the first night and then the rest of the weekend's like a bit of a write-off. <laughs> yeah, it was exactly that. Yeah, what about you, Cam? Um, I didn't go to pre-season my first season, but I remember the first person I spoke to was actually Bauer um, at the Freshers' Fair. I remember him standing there and I was a bit nervous, but he towering over me and he said, he said, where'd you play? And I was like, second row. He's like, well, that's my position. So you can ask, go and take it. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> well, I definitely didn't say that. How many, how many games did you play for the first team that year, Bauer? That year? <laughs> I'm, joking, I'm joking. Six. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that's probably my first one and then signing up. And that's the first memory. But then walking into the Black Swan on the first day or first social, um, pretty intimidating, but yeah. Good, good memory, I think, to have. Yeah, cool, cool. Uh, there's some good stories coming out recently about, like, the freshers this year, and apparently they were all early. Uh, they were all early going to the first social, and Angus, like, pokes his, Angus Edwards pokes his head out the window going, why are you all here? <laughs> like, and they all run off in different directions because they're early, and, yeah, it's, it's quite funny. Uh, Bauer, what about you, mate? Yeah, um, I mean... So one of the things people don't realise about me is I, I didn't really play second row before I came to university. Um, and my first memory is turning up for the trial game on the Friday of Freshers' Week. And I got there and there was about 50 back rows. I was thinking, OK, I'm not beating 50 public school back rows here. 
and I saw there was like two second rows. So I thought, and I can remember my club coach had told me, says, it's a lot easier to be a great second row than a great back row because there's a lot less to compete with. So I was like, yep, second row. When played, um, we played Oxford actually as our freshest trial game um, against the under 21s um, back in 2014. Played that with um, Hugo Solway actually captain that freshest team. And, and this is one of the great memories I have throughout. Hugo, really well spoken lad. Captain's team talks were not a strong point. So this great orator, Posh's voice, you know, and every other word is F or S, or he just couldn't put together a motivational team talk without a hundred swear words in it. And you'd leave the change room just pissing yourself laughing because you hadn't heard anything he'd said. You're too busy trying not to laugh at his team talk. You're trying to trying to like decipher what he had said between all the swearing. Yeah, cool. Uh, okay, cool. So looking at uh, you know looking taking on that memory that memory thing. So that's your oldest memory. What's your favourite memory? What's your been yeah? What would be if you could pick? I mean, Barry, you've probably had loads. Uh, but what would be the one that you go right? That's you know it could be social socially related. It could be rugby related. It could be about a specific game or a moment within the game. Whatever you want. So uh, what what would be your your, your favourite your favourite memory so far? Um. Sorry, yeah. I mean, as from the moment the club, it's got to be this two's first year. The year they did the double, it was great. It's club captain. I wasn't that involved in the team. I mean, most of the time I was get if any week I was getting picked for the first team, the two's referee was dropping out, and you're making me go and referee instead of playing. So, um, but I mean, the turnouts we got that was the first year we really started getting crowds coming to games, and I think that's when the sort of big support started coming around the club. So, I mean, as a involvement in the club moment, that was one of the best. As an on-pitch moment, um, can't really think of an on-pitch moment. I mean, You've had none, great that's yeah. Well, there were some great moments. You got to play with some great players. Um, I mean. Brooks, although there's so many good players now, back in my first year, we had some really good players. Um, Will Scholes, second row, he plays Nat 2 now. Had Henry Birch, who plays Nat 2 as a prop now. Will Cook, who's definitely the craziest flanker I've ever played with. Uh, miss, miss Concussion, you must call him. But I mean, that's probably the best thing on the pitch. The amount of players, you, like different players you get to play with, especially in your first couple of years and with the rotation, because in school you play with the same people all the time. Cool. All right, Jack, what about you? Favourite, favourite, favourite memory? I think uh, Varsity last year was a good day out by all, I think. The sun was out, it was a bit like today really, and everyone came together and supported the rugby, and I think it's one of the biggest crowds that I've seen for the rugby in my time at Brooks. Yeah, it was a good day. It was day. a good finish as well. It was a, it was a good day just to, you know, from, from my point of view, the fact that, you know, we'd been pretty, we'd been pretty, like, We'd been pretty written off and weren't weren't at all favourites to, to to win that game and uh, and I think Reading had a number of national league players playing for them that day and, and you know we managed to managed to pull pull the results out of the bag so yeah it was a good day. What about you, Cam? Well, I was going to say Glasgow too. To be fair, um, I think just the crowd, seeing everyone sort of come watch rugby instead of other other sports was quite was quite nice and I think the whole day of it. Um, it's got there a bit early, managed to watch some of the third and second team, which was nice. Um, but also the whole run-up to it, I think everyone sort of knew where they were at. No one went out at all. Um, sessions were sort of on point. Video sessions, everyone's still sort of going around. When you got on the pitch, people knew sort of what we were training for. 
and I think all of that was just was just good day and a good night out afterwards. Um, yeah. Yeah, the prep, the prep for that. Uh, I remember the prep for that for that week, and uh, and it was, you know, I remember thinking the night before that game, shit, we've, we, you know, we've 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 hit our hit our straps here. We know, like yeah. the lads, every everyone knows what they're going to do, what they got to do. Everyone knows that they've got to be focused for for tomorrow. Because I think we had a team run, didn't we, the night the day before, and you know that was much very much player led. Yeah, but it was yeah. it was the slickest thing that we'd had all season. So. Yeah, cool, awesome. So, Bauer, probably, uh, probably this one's aimed at you. So, um, from a coaching point of view, so how was your, how was the experiences that you've had as a coach in the last, in in the last year, two years, uh, added to the university rugby experience? And and I suppose on the top, on top of that, what would, what would your advice be to to anybody that's looking to looking a student perhaps that's looking to step into 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 a coaching role uh, so we'll start with those it's the first couple of questions yeah i mean i think coaching's really helped me develop as a person firstly i mean you'll remember back when i was a fresher quite a quiet person um tried to just stay out of the way just play and not really be involved in decisions i just try and be an individual just tick over week on week and i mean working it to being a coach I think it really improved my communication skills um, just working getting to talk to different people and actually just developing my character as a communicator which I mean for my job is was really important because I'm speaking to people I don't know on a daily basis having to a lot of the time say some very brutal stuff um, which you also have to do as a coach and knowing how to frame what you're saying to people so, I mean, professionally, it's a really good toss-up. I mean, one of the things I would say is I think knowing how to coach and knowing how to referee can actually build your game as a rugby player as well because it's a coaching side is getting the best out of people around you. It, um, that helps and transfers into being a player. Refereeing, understanding the laws of the game, also really important. So, I would say to anybody... So if you're going through a little slow time and you don't want to play, don't leave the game. Get involved in coaching, get involved in refereeing because it might just restart your enjoyment of the game as well. And for people who unfortunately can't play anymore, it's a really nice way of staying involved in the game. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're really, they're really good points. And I definitely, I, you know, my, my, my abilities as a player, you know, my abilities as a player when I started coaching and, and, and did my referees course probably went up quite a lot because I understood what referees were looking for. Um, you know, from from the tackle, from the scrum, you know, from the ruck, all that type of stuff. So it definitely does 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 can make you a better player. Um, what would and then just to take that on just a, just a bit more. What were your uh, what 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 inspired you to 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 start coaching? I mean, what inspired you to to sign up for your your level two and, and get on the pitch and try and help develop some people? What have you, is there a person? Is there? You can say me. It's okay. Uh, is there? Uh, is there? Uh, you know, was there? Was there something that sparked that 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 desire in your head? Well, I mean, when I got into my role, because I knew one, there was no way I was going to be able to compete with the likes of Cam Adams and the Evening Freshers to continue playing, especially when I was available every week. So I thought I'd bow out after my last first team game and just quietly disappear. Um, no, it's a sort of 
double side of the coin. Um, I think it's one giving back to a club I really enjoy being part of. And it's why I want to coach at Brooks rather than go and coach at a club because Brooks given me a lot. Um, you obviously, Joe, you have been integral to my development as a person. So obviously, as as a coach, um, probably very different philosophies to each other because you are. I, I'm obviously Lincolnshire, stuff it up your shirt, star rugby, and you are the exact opposite. And I think the other end is actually acknowledging that as well. Through my childhood, like or through rugby, I, I've seen some really bad coaches. Um, and I think it's important to get fresh blood into coaching and not just letting it be um, John T's dad coaching the way he played the game 40 years ago. And I think there are still massive areas of rugby that have that problem and it really puts people off. So just trying to get fresh blood in as well. Yeah, cool. Awesome. And um, lads, I suppose this probably, you know, we could segue nicely into... into you know some of your experiences from a from a coaching point of view. I mean, Jack, you've you've probably had some because obviously with your Jack, with your Lincoln to you know you're playing at Bath Academy and stuff like that. You probably had some pretty some pretty cool coaches. But you know what? If you were going to sort of pick a couple of attributes that you would want from a coach, what would what would those attributes be? Jack, we'll start with you. Uh, how would it be? Uh, I told you that we so, might be a bit more a bit organic and go off go off script. So. I just thought it was a good question. Yeah, um, probably a bit of like tough love. I think yeah. sort of work, you, you learn the most through that. So be a bit sympathetic, but also letting you to just try it out. You find the difficulties, you find what works, what fails. And that, I think that helps a lot. And it's, it sort of certainly opens up a player's mind as to what they can do and what they should do sort of thing. Um, I don't really, I've, I've never really thought about it, to be honest, to... Uh, Think what makes a good coach? Yeah, I, I, know, I, mean, I mean, it's not necessarily what makes it. What you know? What would you you know for for you for? Okay, let's rephrase it to get the best out of you as a player. What would you you know? You know you more than anyone else. So who? What what type of things would you need? That would you need a coach to a coach to do? What would you want them to? You know how would they? How would you? Okay, let's look at it this way. How let's say for example they were giving you some feedback. How would you want that feedback delivered? Uh, sort of they need to show me what needs to be done in a way because as I'm quite a visual learner and if they're just talking to me it wouldn't make any sense in my head I'm not so I, it needs to be showed to be done so I quite like a coach who enjoys joining in because also usually well most of my coaches have been quite older so they're quite experienced and quite hard that actually going against that sort of also builds up your physicality yeah yeah Cool, cool, and um, and then if we if we look at you know, sort of off the pitch stuff. So that's some on the pitch stuff. What type of thing would you need from a coach for you to to develop as a person? I suppose not just as a rugby player. Um, to know that he actually knows what he's talking about, and it's not sort of scripted, because sometimes there's some coaches out there that you can just tell that they've read like the coaching one hundred and one, and it's just like well, Co- coaching coaching for dummies. They've read that <laughs> yeah. book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as they sort of have their own sort of twist to it, I think it shows confidence in you as well, or in me anyway, that they know what they're talking about and what I need to do and that they've been in those situations how they've coped with it. And so cool. just, you have to do this, like the Tower of Power for like scrummaging and stuff. It's like, well, yeah, I could have just seen it on YouTube. It's not anything new. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is other ways to sort of get the mind thinking, I guess. Cool, cool. So, so what we're saying there is, is you know, you you know, you need a little bit of tough love. So, actually, someone someone telling you that you've you've, you've not done something the way that the way that maybe you would have wanted to, or maybe saying that there might have been a better option. Um, uh, you're saying that you know you don't want your coaches to bullshit because players can see straight through that. I, I firmly believe that as soon as you start bullshitting, players will see straight through that and be like, yeah, you're bullshitting. Uh, and, and then, you know, pulling on some of their experiences as, a, as, you know, as coaches and players, I suppose. That's what, that's to, to, better, to better you as a player. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, but it's like sort of a, a, bit, a coach has to sort of like know their players. There's no point taking something from one team if it's not going to work in your own squad because then more than likely they're going to be different sort of players and have different attributes. Yeah. So it's how they come together to know their know their team, know their squad. Cool, cool. What about you, Cam? What 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 you know? What what attributes are you wanting to 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 see from a coach to make you a better player? I think someone who has um, sort of a bit of a variety to their sort of teaching, um, so different drills come out of sort of new drills. Maybe they don't have to come at themselves, but sort of doing some research themselves, sort of behind the scenes, sort of finding out new stuff to do. Because I think if you just come in and do the same drill, same rucking drill, same passing drill, um, sort of every day, it's not really uh, stimulating. And I think that can make people sort of want to leave. It's not, we're not rowing here. We're not just sitting on an ergo going back and forth. We want to sort of mix it up a bit and get some, uh, get some new sort of ideas flowing. And I think it can help with your sort of um, creativity within the game too. Um, I think a lot of different different style can produce different style of rugby or still in line with sort of the style of rugby you want to play, but and maybe just mix it up a bit and sort of some different some different uh, attributes. Um, and then also someone who maybe gets, maybe as Jack said, gets involved with us too and sort of joins in. I swear that comes with age, but joins in with maybe a bit of the contact aspect or a bit of touch or um, just a bit of a bit of shoulders on. Someone who sort of, so sort of knows how we're sort of doing and um, sort of can get involved with um, the drills we're doing. I'm um, not just sort of standing on the side shouting you. But then again, it depends how old your coach is. If you're um, sort of plus forties, maybe it's it's a good one to sit out. I don't want to put a hammy or something like that. But um, <laughs> I think I think that's that would be something that I, I quite like to see. I know my coach at Old Jordan's does it. He gets involved with sort of a bit of the contact aspect. Not not 100 percent, but sort of up 70 percent. He'll he'll sort of get involved and still look from the side and still sort of critique and give his own points. But he does get involved in that sort of yeah. aspect. Cool. I mean, that, yeah, that, I think I think that's important because you know I do think sometimes it's it, you know it is important to be able to say to you know to to demo some stuff to some players. Um, but you know, is it? So I think that's important. And also, you know, you don't really you're not really going to get an understanding of how the team is playing. Let's say, for example, we set a game up with some certain parameters that we've got around that game, and people are struggling to find find solutions to the problem. Actually, unless you put yourself in that game for a couple of minutes to understand what the defence looks like, what the spacing's like between the players, where are my players in relation to me in terms of support? You know, you're not going to get a true picture of what that what's what that's feeling like for the players until you put yourself into it. So, yeah, yeah I think it's important. I think that's important. I think it's important to be in the middle of it and you know to be feeling it, like you know, feeling the session like the players are, um, and whether that's through positioning, you know, so. You'll see a lot of coaches standing at the side, or you know, at the side of a pitch. Like yeah. for me, I'm like, what's the point? You know, on a game day, yeah, you've got to stand there. You, you know, simple. That's the only place you're allowed to stand, whether behind the post or up on a gantry or whatever. But in a session, get in, like, get involved, like, be close. You know, if you happen to get in the way, then you won't be surprised if someone might like, smashes you over. It's just the way it goes. Cause, but you're not gonna, 
you're not going to get a true understanding of what the session, what the session's like, and what the players are feeling and going through until you put yourself within that environment. I mean, Bauer, what have you, you know, looking at from a from a from a positioning point of view, what have you what have you done to sort of develop develop that side of of of, of your coaching? Yeah, I mean, I've had the luck of being able to. I've been at the start. I didn't really know where to stand, um, and I was pitch tied. And I think the best advice I was given is treat it like when you're refereeing a game of rugby, stand just behind the attack, and then you get to see what the attack are doing. You can see where the defence are. Um, and it give it same as refereeing. You get the same vision, um, which is really useful because it, you're not changing your fundamental motor skill there of yeah. your positioning, which is cool. ideal. Cool. Uh, and then just to, you know, just go, we're probably going down a bit of a uh, maybe a bit of a rabbit hole and a bit of a tangent with regard to this coaching chat, but. What what's everyone's opinions on uh, like if for example so us as a coaching team so there's there's maybe six of us in the coaching team so what would be your what would be your ideal so we we'll start with the players lads we'll start with Cam and, and with Jack first what would your be ideal would you would you want let's say for example I've designed the session and uh, and would you want me to just run that session or would you want input from the other coaches would you want us to co-coach would you want someone to take the defense someone to take the attack i don't know what's what's the ideal what would be the ideal sort of situation of makeup of a coaching team for a session let's say um i think i think mixture um it can get a bit not boring listening to the same person but it's it's going with a variety i think just having changing up a bit um new change new scenery and stuff like that just helps sort of stimulate you a bit more um, and sort of want to be there and you don't really know what's coming on when you go to the session I think it's quite nice not knowing how the session's laid out and maybe just like jumping into it, being told you're doing this and this. Um, but that's sort of personal preference. So I don't cool. know what yeah, I think. Yeah, I agree with Cam, to be honest, on that. that it's quite nice to have sort of different coaches who maybe specialise in different things. And so you sort of go off and do your specialism things and then go skills and then go into what those sort of go into. And so yeah. all the coaches come together and all the coaches have sort of like um, come together to know what they're working on but obviously it's uh, position specific as well cool. so then it so, all just sort of jigsaws together so planning planning is really important is that what we're saying planning like planning our sessions is really important because we need to know if we're going to do any skill breakout stuff that the skill breakout stuff we're going to do is going to have context to the game stuff that we're going to do you yeah. know yeah yeah so there's no point us going if we're looking at her if we're looking at the principle of playing contest possession in the game, there's no point us going out and doing a go forward a go forward drill. Uh, it needs to be something that's related to the to the to the thing that we're looking at within the game. Is that what you'd say? Yeah, yeah. But obviously, then having some like Jack says, having some specific position specific stuff as uh, as well mixed in there. Uh, I think that's. I think we're guilty. We're we're guilty as a coaching team of being too gamey. I think we want everything to we want everything to be done through the game because you know. It's a, it, but I also believe yeah. that you know, having received some feedback from some players, that actually some position, some position specific stuff is probably going to be important moving forward. So, yeah, we probably need to adjust adjust the way we're designing our practices a little bit. But uh, you know, that's good. It's good feedback. Cool. Um, right. So, Bauer, last one for you before we move on to the next section. Where do you see this? Where do you see the the club in five to ten years time? This one. one was actually the hardest thing I had to plan for, and I was trying to write myself a cop out. But um, it's I mean it's really hard to say. What's Classic going to happen politician to... writing a cop out. <laughs> it's uh, it's really hard to tell what's going to happen in five to ten years time because everything changes so much. Um, there's a lot of 
factors that we just can't control. We can't control the university's direction. Um, we can't control the direction rugby's going in. But at the same time, if we look back to how far the club's come in five years, I just don't think there's any reason we can't be in the next five to ten years pushing at the top of Prem, um, Prem 1. Um, and that, that's the thing. It's a long process. Obviously, Prem 1 is three leagues above us. And, but it's not the hardest objective. We, we talked about Camstein that's got six promotions in ten years. It's just about laying the foundations for... It's now laying foundations for the next promotion and how we do that because rugby's at university rugby's three year cycle. In most cases, it's player in and out in three years' time, which you just yeah. don't get that turnover in club rugby. And it's just knowing it's about identifying players now that are in year 11 and trying to get them to put Brooks to their first choice. It's looking deeper. And if we can do that, like the big clubs, big unis do, I see no reason we can't beat them. We've beaten Prem clubs yearly. Um, the fact is, we are playing in the hardest um, of the leagues. The Midlands is hardest. You've got your Loughboroughs, you've got your Trents, you've got your Nottinghams. Uh, whereas you look at the South and Reading, who we've been on more or less par with the last two years, two years above us, or last five years, we've been on par with them, and they're two leagues above us, which I think says a lot about the leagues we're playing in. Yeah, and if you know, if we were, oh, this probably this could be opened up to to, to anyone. Uh, so you know, if if we had a if we had an ambition to, to be one of those top university rugby teams or rugby clubs in the country, what do you reckon the one, the one or two things are that we would need in order to achieve that? Consistency. Yeah, go on. Uh, like, just training-wise, like, I know we quite enjoy so There's a lot of us who like going away on the weekends, and I think that Friday session with skills can be quite beneficial, and just everything we do is consistent and always at the best of our abilities as a mother on or off the pitch, it's just making sure that we're turning up. Like an hour in our days isn't that much to sort of get by. As long as we can keep sort of the scoreboard ticking over and what we do, then I think that's the way we'll sort of get promoted each year. Cool. This is one of the funny things I always find with Brooks though. For a university and a rugby club made up of so many people that went to uh, private schools and were away from home for months on all on end we love to go home on weekends whereas other universities where people have been used to being at home don't do it so I think yeah. it probably says something yeah. about going to university for Brook students yeah I think I mean, one what... thing about playing too sorry is, is, is away games I think in my second year we won every single home game I think we nearly lost every single away game um, I think if we manage to find some sort of mentality of going away or some sort of just structure within going away I know obviously going away is hard especially at uni because or get us cramp mini bus and jump on, but um, if we have a sort of system that we have that we have every week, that just maybe within away games too, we always or when I was uh, sort of freshman second, we'd always sort of consider trying maybe the first ten minutes or first five minutes, and it's maybe just getting away, so getting a structure as a team that that first ten minutes when we go away, we sort of show that we're not we're not just going here to get pushed over. Um, yeah. but I think it's the same with all sports. Going away is hard. Um, if you can convert your away games, I think that's when Uni Rugby really makes a difference. Because um, home games, you know, if you play well and you're consistent, you're quite likely going to sort of do well. But away games, I think, are where people sort of lose their season or when they win it. Um, so that's something I think we should target a bit more. Cool. So it's so a bit more consistency on on the road if we if we go up. Uh, cool. So Bauer, what about you, mate? What would be the, the the one or two things you think we would need to do, or the club, or the university would need to do in order to to make our to make our 
uh, you know, our dreams and our goals become a reality. And you know, you know, I've been clear that the three-year with the director of sport, that the three-year goal is that, that we're going to be a prem, we want to be a prem side in the next few years. So yeah, uh, I mean, I think it's like continuing the evolution of culture. Like Jack said, it's about getting people, getting fifty lads out at seven a.m. on a Monday to do a gym session or a, phys- a cardio session. Um, and it's just making that norm, and it's making that norm across your teams. It's one thing if your first team are doing it. If your second team and third team are doing it too, you, you're looking good because that's really increases your competition for places, and it also brings everybody up with you um, rather than trying making a small gap. I've, that's the first thing. Second thing is, it, yeah, it, it's the, this definitive plan. Rugby's getting more expensive. Um, and the way to beat your oppositions by ultimately having better resource than them, whether that's your players, whether that's where you're playing, or whether it's coaches, kits, equipment, everything feeds in. And those minute advantages you have, one, give you the mental ability to go out and beat a team, but they also give you the actual physical edge. Yeah, cool. So I think what you know, I think we're all in the agreement that there is the potential there. It just, like Bauer says, needs a little bit of potential in future investment. And then just need some consistency from the playing group with regards to commitment to 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 our to our weekly schedule. I suppose is that what we're is that what we're saying? Yeah, yeah. Get cool. somebody start sponsoring the podcast, and that will help. Yeah, well, yeah. We've we'll, just got to get a few more subscribers first, mate. We'll get there. We'll get there, mate. Um, cool. So uh, moving on, last last little sort of last little sort of section. Um, so I know that you guys have all prepared something. So. Uh, sporting legends, fifteen. No rugby players allowed. So no rugby players allowed in your team, but it needs to be a team made up of sporting legends. Uh, we'll go through one by one. We'll build, we'll have a discussion about some stuff if we need to. If we think something's a really stupid idea, then we'll say that's a stupid idea for these reasons. So be willing to challenge each other on this one. Uh, we'll start with Jack because I know that he's he's just pulled his paperwork out. He's Done his prep. Yeah, cool. Let's go, mate. Shoot. Uh, so at one, I've got Akin Just a big old football unit. Yeah. yeah. Two, Phil the Power Taylor with his darts. I mean, get some good lineouts going. Strong. At three, I've got Brook, Brock Lensner, who's WWE and sort of like NFL player. He's just a big old unit, and uh, you just need to lean on. But he can also run. Like 100 meters in 11 seconds. So, oh, dream! Just what what you want from your tight head. Yeah. Uh, four. I've got Anthony Joshua. Bit of an athlete. Got a height on him that we can chuck him up. How tall is he? How tall? Yeah. Oh, you well, didn't do that six much two. research. He's what? He's six, six, what? Two. What? Six, six two. Six two. Okay. You're right. You've got you've got like four four inches on him, Kevin. Yeah, I know. Easy, mate. Probably not me now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah go well, on. We've got Michael Jordan. I mean, you just launch him up in the in the lineouts. Six have gone with Michael Phelps, just because the amount of hours he's put in the swimming pool, he would definitely be a workhorse around the pitch. He'll have an engine, won't he? Yeah, and a huge engine that yeah. at least goes if not longer. Uh, yeah. Seven, I've got Chris Hoy with his tree trunk legs. I mean, him over the ball, you're not going to be moving him. Or in the scrum. Eight, I've gone Mike Tyson. Just oh, yes. a heavy old unit, and I just think he'll be all right around the park too. Yeah, be be powerful off the base, I think. 
Yeah, definitely. And then nine, I've gone with Messi. We definitely control things off the ruck. Lovely. With ten being Roger Federer. He's he might be in his old older now, but he's very composed and the toughest of situations that he can definitely be sort of the magician in the game. Yeah. Eleven love it. eleven I've gone Eugene Bolt. I mean, there's no explanation, he's just just pass it to him if something's struggling and let him go down the wing. Twelve, I've gone Muhammad Ali. I think he'll be a hard runner, but also he's quite agile that he can get around defenders. With thirteen being Maradona, okay, a bit of flair to his game. You've got to have like a, a Mount. Yes, every team needs its maverick, doesn't it? And that's that's yours right there with Maradona. You're not afraid. You're not not. He's definitely going to be going out the night before a game, is he? At least, right? Yeah, but yeah. I mean, if he performs on a Saturday, I won't. I won't complain. Bad for team culture, though, Jack. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Carry on. Yeah. Uh, Fourteen. I've gone Jesse Owens, who and um, who sprinted in nineteen thirty-six, and obviously he had. I think he'd be quite a good winger. For so he's fought a lot, especially being the Olympics in Berlin against Hitler, and really showed everyone up. To be honest. Yeah. And then fifteen. I've gone Ab De Villiers, the career player. Because he was up there to play rugby, he could have probably played professional rugby as well. And he's got some hand. <laughs> cool, love it. Go on in, Cam. Uh, I got some. I got a few similarities, but both props. I've got Brian Shaw and Eddie Hall, two world's strongest men. Um, I think yeah. be a bit of a unit up front. Um, and then I had Al Taylor throwing some darts in too in the lineout. Um, I think he give Viger a good run for his money. Um, for Tyson Fury, um, just an absolute unit, uh, absolute nut, probably. Headbutt someone. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, another five, another lock. Um, good choice. And then sort of six and seven. So six, I've gone Conor McGregor and seven, Muhammad Ali. Um, sort of chemistry around the park. I think Conor McGregor's a bit of a dog. Um, sort of just, yeah, do this, do his thing. And Muhammad Ali, obviously. Um, I don't know how, probably our center's probably a better choice, I'd say. Um, but I'm sort of struggling for the seven position. Um, yeah. Number eight, I've got Matthew Pinson. Um, sort of rower. Big GB row, I think his his work around the park, sort of ball carrying ability would be be second to none. He uh, Matthew Pinson did play number eight for Henley Rugby Club second team. Really? So there you go. You picked him in his there right you position. Go, yeah. I reckon he'd be an absolute, absolute horse. Um, yeah, yeah, Frankie Tory. I'm probably going to step on him, a little nimble. Um, for ten, I've gone Michael Vick. Um, he's a um, American football. He was an American football player. Um, he's retired now, but he is he's an absolute unit. Um, good good feet on him. Um, definitely go check out his highlight reel. Um, 11 and 14, I've gone Jesse Owens, Usain Bolt, um, same as Jack. Um, that's pace. I think Jesse Owens, they did something that if he was were training nowadays with sort of modern technique, that they estimated he'd be about run one step behind Usain Bolt um, to sort of same wow. speed. On. Um, 12, Michael Johnson, um, sort of American um, track and field athlete. Um, weirdest weirdest running style I've ever seen. Yeah, but it doesn't matter so if you're true. breaking lines, breaking ankles, so... I yeah, like to see that. Um, and a 13, Steve Redgrave. Um, I was sort of didn't really know 13, but I thought I'd chuck him in there because he's a bit of a unit. Um, and 15, maybe controversial, but Ian Bell. Um, I know the Australians used to call him a tank, or his nickname was the tank in the ashes. Um, he's small, he's, he's quick though, and I reckon he's quite nimble and good on the high ball. So, and he also probably has got a good build on him to send it back. Um, but yeah, that's my team. Cool, nice, love it. Go on, Bauer. Yeah, again, I've got a lot of similarities, but I've also got a bit different. So I went at loose head. I went for Randy Barnes. He holds shot put world record. He's an absolute beast. Um, 
I went for Michael um, Vagerwen as um, Hooker because again, great arrows. And then oh, this is the first of my odd selections: Babe Ruth, the tight head, um, absolute power hitter of baseball, one of the legends, and a big bloke. He's your Michael Wright, I reckon. Um, right. It, yeah. So then, se um, second row, I've got Michael Jordan and Steve Redgrave. Quite a balanced second row athletes, very fit. I'd also have Redgrave as captain because, I mean, he was a great Olympian, one of the most successful and a real motivator. So I think he'd get behind you. And I'm always somebody that says your captain's in the forwards. So <laughs> um, at back row, um, I've got other rogue selections here. Um, I'd see them as a left and right because they're um, quite a similar pair. I'd have Derek Jeter and Gordy Ho. Um, so Derek Jeter's a... Um, former baseball player, he's just been elected into Hall of Fame, uh, one vote short of a unanimous vote in. Um, he played shortstop, which is one of the most demanding defensive positions on the baseball field, um, and absolute athlete, power hitter again, so you got him great in the flanker. Are you, like a closet, are you a closet baseball fan? He's a bit of a knob though, isn't he, Derek Cheater? Well, you need that in your flankers, so... Um, mm. Which so is what... Which exactly, is why, team course, culture, mate. Yeah, enforcers, mate. Um, that's why I've got Gordy Ho as well. So Gordy Ho, another, is a ice hockey legend. Played for Detroit um, Red Wings, won several um, Stanley Cups. But he was aggressive, quality. And interesting fact to get about him, he's got the scene called the Gordy Howe hat-trick, which is um, scoring goal and assists and also getting into a fight in the game. So, you know, that, that's a rogue person to have in your back row. Um, I, I went for... I had originally put Muhammad Ali at um, eight, but I've moved him and I've gone for Ben Stokes at eight. Um, big hitter on and off the park so, and big ball carrier. I think he'd be good there. Um, I've actually got Conor McGregor in as my nine because I think he's a performer, but he's got anger and chat, which is what all um, nines seem to have. Um, I originally put Roger Federer at 10 as well, but I decided I'd actually want Alistair Cook. Um, because he's very precise, a leader, but he makes these decisions on the cuff. He knows what he wants to do and thinks about the best way, best way to execute it, which I thought he'd be better 10 than um, Fedra. Um, on the wings, I've got Jonathan Edwards and Usain Bolt. Um, Usain Bolt obviously goes without saying, fast guys in all three of our teams. Jonathan Edwards, obviously, um, he's your ridiculous finisher. He's scoring those absolute highlight world trial, tries diving over the line. No um, rugby players allowed me. No, Jonathan Edwards, the... Oh, the triple jumper. jumper. Sorry. Yeah. My bad. Thank you. Um, yeah, he runs 100 metres, used to run 100 metres in 10.48, holds um, triple jump world record, and also has a really good long jump, so I reckon he's your nimble. Imagine his goose step when your um, triple jump's <laughs> 18 metres. Um, yeah. Then in the centres, I've got Wayne Gretzky and Muhammad Ali. Um, like... Gretzky, one of the greatest playmaker, well, the greatest playmaker in ice hockey, and Ali goes without saying, absolute beast. Then at 15, I've gone for Roger Federer um, because his great skill set in um, in tennis is his return play and his ability to be precise in his return play. So um, that's what you want from your 15, isn't it? When you kick returns. Oh, nice, good work, fellas. Obviously, a lot of work's got some work's gone into that. I like it. Uh, brilliant. Okay, so looking uh, just last little bit, we'll, we'll and then we'll wrap up. So, time travel. If you guys could go to any moment in rugby history, 
where would you go to who would you be why would you go there um yeah it's a pretty deep good question i think so uh barry let's start with you um, i've copped out again i've said the 2000 um, 2001 season um that's because it was the like pinnacle of Leicester Tigers. It's when we did the triple of winning the playoff, the league and the um, European Cup. Um, as well as the fact England had an 11 game unbeaten streak that season um, in which they won all three autumn internationals against Australia, Argentina and South Africa. They won the Six Nations, but they lost the fifth game. But that was out of the season because it's foot and mouth year. So it hasn't ruined your perfect season. They also had a really good summer tour beforehand to South Africa which they drew and a good tour to America afterwards in which they win all four games so like that's the pinnacle of um, times to go to and if you could be one one per player or person from that time who would it who would you be from that from that be squad Johnson team? haven't you, you be why Johnson. <laughs> why would you be Martin Johnson because he like because he was at all of it and he was leading the front to win all of it yeah nice like yeah We've got an interesting story about Mike Johnson. Uh, I'll share it for another share it for another day. It's probably not for, not for here. Not for here. Um, cool, uh, Cam. Where would where would you where would you go in rugby history? Uh, 1997 Lions tour to South Africa. Um, I think that I I've seen we've got the um, the tour video on tape, and that just sort of I watched it when I was younger. But that sort of epitomises what I believe tour would be like. And um, so when I went on tour with School South Africa, sort of boozing, sort of most nights except for game days and. And just having that sort of uh, club trial or uh, tour trials and stuff like that, sort of punishments, um, getting your coach to join in. So we had a few uh, lizard fights, if anyone knows what that is. Um, had a few of those sort of naked ones out in the garden. That way. We had one where there was an elephant in the background, sort of stuff like that. And I think them winning sort of 2-1, obviously they lost the last test, but um, sort of having coaches like Ian McKeegan and players like Lawrence Delario, sort of, I suppose people like Di Young, but it was mainly England dominated that time. But um, I think just that tour... I think just epitomated sort of Lions rugby and the reason why they do Lions because I think 1997 sort of that around the 1990s South Africa were sort of an app powerhouse and um, they were sort of pretty brutal sort of all they were just physical up front and um, sort of throwing in a few sort of headbusts, a few punches left right and centre but I think winning that's all and I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't mind being a player um, but being a fan sitting sort of front row um, with a few pints in your hand watching sort of that second test when they won or when I think it's Jason Lennon kicks the drop goal to win uh, um, so, Jeremy, Jeremy Guscott yeah, we got that too, yeah. Um, I think being there with a few few drinks town mates on your side, I think uh, that'd be that'd be uh, pretty ideal, to be honest. Yeah, my uh, my abiding mem- that was like literally probably my first sort of like sit down and watch every single game of a tour yeah. type experience because it was in South Africa, so it was all on a all on at reasonable times. So you'd just like come in from school or whatever, and you'd sit down and you watch the you'd watch the games, and then when the video came out, it was like three hours long. It was yeah, like this is this is awesome, and it was probably the last, probably the last time the Lions were probably obviously they, it was in the professional era, but it was the last time that the Lions was like an amateur tour, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And they were and they bloody they, they had a bloody good time, bloody yeah. good time. I'd love to have been on that tour; it would have been sick. Yeah, cool, Jack. Yeah, I also picked the ninety-nine-seven Lions tour. I just think the whole aspect of it would have been sick, but to change it up, probably. The 2003 World Cup would have been sick to be out in Australia and to be there and maybe be Johnny Wilkinson dropping that drop goal would have been pretty tasty. Yeah. I wonder if it's uh, had an effect on the person that he's become by 
by kicking that chop goal, but maybe that's a bit too deep for this conversation. I do, I do think tours nowadays, sort of, it'd be interesting to see, because obviously there's a video of the inside of the England um, World Cup this year or last year. And I think it's very different tours back then to now. And then I don't think they would have drunken much at all. They wouldn't really have gone out. They would have just done some sort of, um, sort of days out. But back then, they'd, it's a proper tour. It's a proper what sort of what school tours I think are like when you're sort of um, and maybe uni tours or club tours. I think it's it's that sort of set the tone. Um, but yeah. nowadays, I'd, I'd like to see how different it would be. Um, so I think. Really I think. Go on, Barris. So I mean, it's really good. There's um, Lawrence Alia has a great book called uh, like Lawrence Alia's World Cup Tales, and also a lot of the players from back then's autobiographies. They just talk about the ridiculous stuff they did when they went on tours or to World Cups. Like Ireland, one year at a World Cup, their players who weren't playing the next day went to a casino the night before, and one of them yeah. won something like ten grand. And if that happened nowadays, it would just be ridiculous. Yeah. yeah yeah, apparently George Cruz, I'm not sure, but my brother told me it was, a, it was one of the Lions store, but when he, he didn't play well, I think, in one of the games, he got dropped. They have like a, you know you're going to be in the second team of the Lions store, so at that point, you're not playing again, unless you get the call up because someone gets injured, so you just start boozing and start going out, sort of, um, left, right and centre, and apparently one time, George Cruz, they all went to a, a restaurant, and they did card roulette at the end, and it was like a four, 4K, uh, they started drinking, so there was like a 4K behind the bar, and they four started doing roulette. And um, people felt bad for George Cruz because he got dropped and they were like, I feel quite bad for him. Like, they said, we'll pay for it. And he was like, no, no, I take my chances. So he went two on one versus someone else. And the guy was like, look, let's just split it. Um, I'm happy to pay half it. And he was like, no, we'll do it. I, I'm feeling good. And he did it and lost. And had to, he got, so he got dropped that day and then had to pay a four, uh, four, uh, four grand uh, dinner, which is probably not, not the nicest thing. I mean, also, you know, looking you know, to, to what, you, what you spoke about there is, you know, it'd be interesting to see the, the England one that, that's come out around, the, around the, uh, the World Cup. I think that will be a very diluted yeah. one for every, you know, it wouldn't, it's not going to be like that original Lions just fly on the wall thing. It's going to be extremely high, highly produced, edited, uh, because, you know, it's our England boys. We can't see them getting pissed in pubs. So, yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be it will it won't be it won't be a true I don't think it'll be a true uh snapshot of what the tour was like. Uh right lads, that's it. Thanks very much for your time, really appreciate it. Uh can't looking forward to seeing you all again in September. Bauer, don't know when I'm ever gonna see you again because that's it for you now. So it's really, really sad. I'm gonna cry. Yeah. Um, this is my last moment. <laughs> no, it's not, mate. Well, I'm all moments, it'll be fine. Uh, but ladies and gents, thanks for listening to the uh, to the to the and Jokes podcast. Uh, you can find us all on social media, uh, hashtag Jouet and Jugs, and then on your on your on your uh, podcast providers. Uh, just should look us up there and uh, and and have a listen. Cheers, guys. See you later.